The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast. And it is presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's number one rated sportsbook app. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Most of you already know that. Five teams, seven years, classic journeyman. Now I do a bunch of podcasts that I thoroughly enjoy, including the Ross Tucker football podcast. We'll have Shield Capadia from The Athletic tomorrow, which will be fantastic because Shield is going to talk about his power ranking. For next year already, yeah, based on what teams have coming back, who they might lose in free agency, as well as his top 50 free agents. We had Scott Pioli on yesterday's Ross Tucker football podcast, which I thought was really interesting. Fran Duffy joined Emery Hunt and myself on the College Draft podcast, talking quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Make sure you check that out. But as you guys know, and I mentioned this last week, this show's year-round, and there's a lot we can get into. I mean, we may or may not get into the Super Bowl futures, conference and division futures, draft futures, MVP futures today, because we need to make sure before we forget, before we move on, we need to know exactly what lessons we learned and what we can take moving forward for our betting prospects from the 2020 NFL season. The guy that will help me with that, well, he's the star of the show. He's Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. It's the Super Contest out at the Westgate Casino out there in Vegas. He is a full-fledged professional better, professional gambler. Check him out on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, and only at Fezzik Sports. Yes, there is an imposter out there. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod, where you see all the different shows posted. Of course, if you take advantage of any of the sponsors, you can ask Steve a question. We'll probably get to one of those today. And you can check us out and watch us. A lot of people are enjoying watching the show. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. 
Steve, before I even steer the conversation a certain way, if I gave you a blank canvas and I said, Steve, what is one, the number one thing that you noticed during 2020 football in the NFL that's going to impact or affect how you bet moving forward? What would you say? COVID issues for select teams. So I think we need to evaluate which teams may well be undervalued next year because they had some significant issues with it this year. Baltimore Ravens certainly come to mind. Here's a team that could well have been the best team in the NFL, but they got train wrecked with losing guys, lost their quarterback one week, scheduled disruptions and the like. And of course, we still have the issue, can Baltimore win against elite competition? We know they can clobber the bad teams, but the bottom line is that Baltimore's stats and their numbers were not as good as they should have been because of COVID disruptions. Interesting. So basically that's more or less like a season win total thing that we need to keep in mind, or is that something you even keep in mind week one of next year with the, when the early lines come out? Oh, and I think even in futures and the like, I think you've got to figure that maybe Baltimore is going to have value when division odds come out just because everyone is going to evaluate them based upon their body of work and their body of work included a, you know, a throwaway game where they're a 10 point underdog against Pittsburgh because, um, you know, they didn't have a quarterback. So that is really, really interesting. Not has nothing to do with COVID itself or COVID concerns for the 2021 season. But just taking a look at teams that were really adversely affected by COVID in 2020 and it affected their stats, affected their win total. And look, I mean, they still got to the playoffs. They still were in the divisional round. I don't think it affected that game against the Bills, but theoretically that game could have been in Baltimore or they could have had a better seed if it weren't for the COVID issues. Exactly right. And let's look at the New England Patriots. It's easy to forget that they had eight guys opt out before the season even started. So now we got to evaluate how many of those guys are coming back and is New England indeed undervalued based upon all the hits they had to their personnel last year? What do you think? I think they are. I think that the narrative now is that, oh, Brady won the divorce and Brady is is what was essential for this team. And I still think Belichick is awesome. And I think New England's poised for a bounce back here. Interesting. Okay. All right. So we got the Ravens because of them missing a couple games. We got the Patriots with the guys opting out. Are there any others that come to mind immediately for you? I mean, I think at Denver having to have the poor kid wide receiver play quarterback one game, I guess that was only one game, but they had no, I mean, that, that was the Saints. They probably wouldn't have won anyway. But that's one that jumped out to me. I'm trying to think any other teams that were affected greatly by COVID. Those are the big ones to me, I think. Yeah, and I think the Saints is a great example because it's only a 16-game schedule. So if you've got a situation where you um, have Denver playing uh, 6% of their body of work with no quarterback, obviously their offensive stats are going to look horrendous because of that, just like imagine a baseball team that had to play 10 games 
where their right fielder was starting and relief and their left fielder was relieving for them, their pitching stats would look awfully bad as well. It's a really good point. Um, okay. Anything else? I, Cause I got several I'm going to throw at you, but any other takeaways from the 2020 season? I think the season being more difficult than any other in terms of routine, in terms of practice, in terms of just day-to-day operations, I think it benefited the good coaches and it hurt the average coaches. So we saw some disparity in the NFL this past year that may, we may not see as much and we might see more parity if things return more to normal this year. Okay, here's a big one, Steve, that I've been wanting to get your opinion on. Home field advantage. I mean, we should have learned a lot, Steve. This is kind of what we always wanted, right? Like to have some sort of lab experiment to really find out how much home field advantage really mattered. Now, there were some teams that would have 10,000 people or whatever. There's a lot of teams that had nobody. Um, Was it a big enough sample size? Have you talked with your guys out there, any of the bookmakers, are we making adjustments for home field advantage moving forward based on what we saw in 2020? Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think visiting teams won more than ever before this year? Yeah, it was virtually zero for home field advantage over the course of the season. And it makes us question the whole idea of maybe the crowd noise is the more significant aspect of home field edge. You know, frankly, the home field had been cratering going down already going into this year historically we had used three points for home field most of the pros I have spoken to have said now three's too high probably should be two to two and a half now we get the crowd back we're probably going to get some um, very insane crowds if we're able to have full capacity so two to two and a half looks right going forward if indeed we can go back to full stadiums interesting so um so that's something right there where people always say three points for home field advantage, three points for home field advantage. That's one right there where there's already an edge if you're going against people that think it's three and you realize or, or believe it's more two, two and a half. Yeah. So in general, all things being equal, I got to bet on a game. Uh, basic strategy is to bet on the road team if I know nothing else. Yes. Right, if you know nothing else. Now, but but that doesn't mean the bookmaker is necessarily giving the home field advantage three points. I think they still are, for the most part. I think the bookmaker is aware that maybe it's just a smidge less than three, but they just round it off to three, and that's the number typically that they set on their openers. All right, so here's a question. Um, Two-point conversions. Because there's a lot of implications there. I thought this was an interesting tweet from Mike Clay, um, who does a really nice job for ESPN. NFL two-point conversion attempts may drop in 2021 simply because Doug Peterson isn't a head coach in the league. Eagles were responsible for 44 of the league's 565 two-point attempts during Peterson's five seasons. That's 7.8%. However, 
The Eagles had 16 of the 131 in 2020, Steve. So they had 12.2%. And by the way, the Eagles converted 26 of their 44 tries, which is 59%. So forget the Peterson thing for a second. We're seeing more two-point conversions. We're seeing a lot more two-point conversions. We're seeing people when they're down by eight, you know, down by two scores going for two. What does this mean for us, whether it's spreads or totals or or key numbers for that matter, Steve? Oh, I think the two-point conversions are just going to continue to increase. And the reason being is that Doug Peterson was correct for the most part, for the most part, when he went for two, not in the final game, when he did from the five-yard line. Uh, when he, oh, that's a fourth down conversion. But the bottom line is the memo is out, Ross. You're down eight, and it's the fourth quarter. You go for two. Well, maybe the memo's not out with Tarlington State when they're playing McNeese State. McNeese State apparently hasn't gotten that memo yet. Whereas, but but And that, uh, by the way, i got to talk about that. I understand it's, it's an FCS game. I understand it's not on, in the spotlight. But how is it that every single person that I speak to, they just say, oh, it's obvious. You go for two when you're down eight. And yet it maybe it's, it just can't be that obvious because there's still, you know, a big universe of football teams that haven't realized yet why they should do that. But I, I guarantee you this, the NFL with another summer to go ahead and meet with the analytics team and go over situations like this, they're going to realize, oh, that's right. Here's the situation. We absolutely are going to go for two going forward. And again, the idea there, Steve, is you give yourself more chances to actually win the game and not just tie it. Yeah, so to, if you just assume that the team that's down eight is going to score one more time, that's going to be the only score, and you have a 50-50 chance of making the two-point conversion, then by going for two the first time, you increase your chance of winning to 62.5% by just kicking the extra point. It's only 50%. And explain the math on that. Because if you make the two-point conversion, you win. You're going to win by one. I'm assuming the one-point conversion is automatic. Right. You'll win by one. So, And if you miss, well, you still have your chance of making the next two-point conversion and then winning in overtime. So that's worth 12.5% chance, a one-half times one-half times one-half, 62.5%. Versus if you just kick twice and go into overtime, you win 50%. Okay, so you said the memo's out. You said these teams know it, but what does that mean for us betting-wise? It means certain derivative bets you want to look to avoid or make more of. Like in the Super Bowl, they had a prop. Will the game be decided by exactly seven points? Well, Tampa Bay wins in a blowout, so it doesn't matter. But you don't want to bet, yes, the game's going to land seven anymore. You want to bet, no, will the game land seven because of this impact. And even like little things like, used to be the pros would love to bet, will the final score be odd or even? It seems like the ultimate coin flip 50-50. But it's not because more games land odd than even because games land, they can't tie. So teams win by three. They win by seven. Those, If a team wins by three or seven, obviously the final score has to be an odd number. Well, with seven not landing as often, now all of a sudden more games are going to land even than odd. And also, I've always advocated buying a half point on or off the seven for 10 cents. It's been a bargain. I don't know if it's going to be that way going forward. Not enough games are going to land on seven because of that. Does it make any difference? Okay, so you reference it there. Does it make a difference when we're betting totals at all 
Um, we can talk about it. Scoring was up. I don't know if it was up because of two-point conversions or because teams were more aggressive going for it on fourth down. But do you think that the two-point conversion thing means anything in terms not of total? To, not to the totals. It cha- it'll change the distribution of the totals where certain key numbers like 41 and the like won't be quite as common but in terms of, let's face it, whether you kick the extra point or go for two, your expectation is to score just under one point. So it doesn't change how many total points are going to be the expectation of points scored in the game. It's interesting. Um, defensive touchdowns, I don't know if this matters to you, Steve. Again, Mike Clay does a nice job. Way down. Only 55 defensive touchdowns, lowest in at least a decade. There were 74 in 2019, there were 108 defensive touchdowns in 2012. Only 55 this year, Steve. I don't know if that means anything or it's just interesting. I think this might have something to do with the crowd noise. I want to ask you, Ross. So is this possible that there just were fewer strip sacks and the like because the quarterback could hear the rush coming, whereas in a full stadium with all that noise, he just gets blasted unexpectedly? I think there's no question that home crowds lead to more pressure on quarterbacks, which, you know, more silent count cadence, more pressure on quarterbacks, which leads to more strip sacks, more interceptions. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, There's some crazy numbers about scoring too, Steve. I mean, scoring is way up and – I guess the question there is, was that a one-year anomaly with the scoring being way up because of COVID? Or is this just going to be the way it is from now on? Both. I think that we saw without the crowd noise that definitely helped the road team's offense, that the quarterback wasn't you know unable to hear and he could audible effectively. But I think, you know, Look at the trends that we're seeing in all the major sports. These uh, these owners, they're not dummies. They know that American public wants more scoring in the NBA, in the MLB, in the NFL, and in NHL. Every single major sport has implemented changes to help the offense score more. And I got to be honest, I'm shocked they haven't changed the whole pylon rule on the fumble where it's a turnover and the opponent gets the ball on the 20 because that's like the only good rule that defense seems to have anymore to prevent scoring. So that's really interesting because Clark Hunt, the Chiefs owner, who benefited greatly from it when Sorensen speared Richard Higgins at the end of the first half in the divisional round, Clark Hunt said they're going to take a look at it this offseason. He's on the competition committee. So he benefited greatly from it, and now they might take a look at that one. Speaking of scoring in every sport, by the way, how about this one at DraftKings this week, Steve? All new players can cash $100. Just bet $1 on any team in college hoops to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. Look, there are teams that average like seven, eight, nine threes a game. Like, you got to be kidding me. Figure out who it is, put a dollar for them to hit one three pointer, win $100. That sounds pretty good to me. Make sure you use the code Ross when you go over to DraftKings Sportsbook. You guys know the deal. 
Terms and conditions apply, blah, blah, blah. But make sure you use the code Ross at DraftKings, especially if you're not into these other sports as much. What a great way to get started. Watch a college hoops game. You only need one three-pointer to get an insane return on your money. Just make sure you always use that promo code Ross. Speaking of numbers, Steve, key numbers. Are they changing now when it comes to you and I and our teasers? Are they changing now because of the two-point conversions when we talk about this team's favored by three and a half? I mean, to me, the difference between two and a half and three and a half is still like a huge, huge difference, whereas not as much between three and a half and four or four, four and a half. Should that be changing a little bit with all the two-point usage? I don't think so because oftentimes that two-point conversion is what gets you back onto the three. So uh, with the longer extra points, people missing extra points, it's not unusual. You get a situation where a team's ahead by one, but that two-point conversion, team goes up eight, boom, the other team goes for two. They get back tied. So I think it, it corrects itself back to the tie game, which leads to you landing on the three quite often in the end game. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, Ross, when your listeners do bet on there being a team that makes a three-point shot, you might want to avoid the Presbyterian Blue Hose, who somehow, amazingly, two games ago, went one for 20 from three-point land. But they made one. Just one. Wait a minute. What's their mascot name? The Blue Hose. A takeoff on blue stockings, if you will. Oh, okay. Wow. And they're D1? They are. H-O-S-E. Presbyterian Blue Basketball. Don't ask me what state they reside in. I do not know. Um, They're in Clinton, South Carolina. Their last game, they beat uh, University of South Carolina upstate. Neither one of those teams are very good. Presbyterian Blue Hose, H-O-S-E. I never knew that one before. They were my best bet their last game because they were coming off a one-for-20 performance from three-point land. Now, it's easy to say, well, these guys can't shoot. But then, you know what, even if you can't shoot, you put me out there, I can make three out of 20 from three. I guarantee you, even if I'm contested somewhat. So a little... um, Value play with Presbyterian undervalued off that horrific 5% from three-point land performance. Anything else, Steve, from the 2020 season? We hit a bunch there. I just want to make sure if there's anything else you think we need to remember going into next year about this. It could be players, could be coaches, anything else about the season. We hit the home field advantage. We hit scoring, we hit key numbers, we hit COVID. I think that's all the ones I had that I really thought were notable. I feel like that's a lot. I feel like we don't usually have this many. Well, we don't usually have this many takeaways because there isn't usually a random year like this. Let's be a little careful with quarterback upgrades automatically um, vaulting a team into a solid Super Bowl contender. I get it. Tampa Bay did it with Brady, but Tampa Bay was already a good team. They won seven and nine in 2019, but they should have had a winning year. All those turnovers by Jameis Winston. 
And Brady was really a double upgrade in retrospect. He was a top 10 quarterback and the culture that he brought, the commitment that he brought. Is Watson going to bring that culture and commitment to his new team? I don't know. And certainly, I'll tell you this, other than Watson, if, assuming Russell Wilson doesn't move, none of these other quarterbacks um, really represent a top 10 quarterback. You can say Stafford is borderline, but even he's not quite a top 10 quarterback. And certainly they're not going to bring a culture change like Brady brought to Tampa Bay. Well, one of the cool things about this show is that if you take advantage of any of our sponsors on the sponsor tab at RossTucker.com, or you make any bet over at DraftKings and you use the code Ross when you sign up, either way, just send me the confirmation when you do that. Ross at RossTucker.com. Even if you just rate and review the show, send it to me. Ross at RossTucker.com. And you can ask Steve any question you would like. I think we'll save Steve for next time. We'll dive into your thoughts on some of these quarterback movement bets that are out there. We can dive into Super Bowl futures, conference and division futures. They already have a bunch of draft futures out, Steve, at DraftKings, which is interesting because a lot of times if you watch those draft futures, Steve, and you know this, once information starts to come out, there's a lot of value to be had there. Uh, one way or the other on some of those draft futures. There's MVP futures, which I know you don't like, so we'll get into that. Plus, we've got our guy Sean Grady coming up with all kinds of data from how we've done going back to 2016. So I've got the raw numbers, but he's going back in to get more stuff for us. So next couple episodes are going to be epic, going over these Super Bowl futures, NFL futures, as well as Really breaking down what we've done since 2016, what we've done the best bets since 2017. But first, I believe Bry has a uh, a sounder specific for you. Let's get a question. It's Ask Steve. Ever wanted to ask a professional sports better a question? It's time to Ask Steve. All right, Steve. This comes to us from Keith Venturoni. Question for Fezzik. I can't remember what uh, what Cody took advantage of. It could have been Raycon earbuds or 100 Flowers or maybe it was DraftKings. I hear Steve talk about the value or lack of value in buying a half a point in certain situations. My question is very general. But if the line you like has a juice of minus 105, instead of the usual minus 110. Is there some value in buying that half a point when it will only cost you minus 115? I realize it is still a 10 cent cost, but in my mind, it seems as if it is really only a 5 cent cost as I expected to pay minus 110. In some ways, it seems to be cheaper. When I know in reality, it is not. I know this rarely works on key numbers in football as the books charge big time for that. Going from three to three plus three to plus three and a half never seems to cost 10 cents. But in general, as it came up twice today, as I made some basketball picks, I think this is kind of what you were just talking about, about seven, right, Steve? Yeah. So to answer the question, when you're looking to buy a half point, you don't want to pay 10 cents 
four a half point in NBA or college basketball. It's too much. If you were ever going to buy a half point, it would be onto the seven. That's the best of them all, but it's not quite worth 10 cents. The fact that you're, um, you've got a minus 105 and now you're going to minus 115, you're like, hey, it's still, I'm still only laying minus 115, but it's costing you 10 cents, so you don't want to do it. Let me use an analogy. There's a pizza. You really like this pizza, and it's not quite enough. You wish you could have a little more than a pizza, and pizzas were being charged 750. But now you buy two pizzas for 10 bucks. Well, you buy the two pizzas, even though it's too much now because it's such a good deal. But if the if it was only five dollars per pizza, you'd be like, hey, it's still a good deal to buy two pizzas for ten bucks. No, just buy the one pizza for the five. Stick with the minus one hundred five because that's the best deal of them all. All right. So, what did you say earlier about the ten cents being worth it on seven? In college basketball, it is worth just under ten cents to buy onto seven. In the NFL and college football, it's actually worth a little bit more than ten cents. So, long story short. Buy on or off the seven in football. Don't buy on or off the seven in basketball, but it's close in basketball. It's almost to the point where you can do it and you've got equivalent bets. Interesting. Okay. What's the difference? Just because it's not as much of a key number. Um, Yeah, there are no super key numbers in basketball. They're all important. But in basketball, the seven is much more important than the six. Because if you're down six, you're going to foul, even if there's like two seconds left. Because I guess a meteorite could strike the stadium and somehow you could find a way to get yourself back into overtime. But at seven, you're done. You're finished. It cannot happen. So they just cease hostilities, dribble out the clock if you're down seven in the waning seconds. You got to follow this man on social media so you can always get in touch with him if you want to become one of his clients at some point. At Fezzik Sports, he does a terrific, terrific job, as you can tell. He is the man with the math, the man with the plan. Can't wait. So next week, we'll either do our numbers over the years and what Sean, our grader, has found, or we'll do some of these Super Bowl futures, NFL futures, draft futures, or maybe we'll do both. You'll just have to tell your friends to listen and wait and see Love these off-season shows. Love chopping it up with you, Steve. Feel like I learned so much. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.